BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. We have an actual Ravens football game to preview, plus training camp assessments this week on Pod Like a Raven. Whispering that intro, because I'm being cautious that all three of us are going to keep power as we record this episode, as Hurricane, whatever it may or may not be named, is uh, tearing through the DMV. Tornado, whatever, hurricane, whatever. Uh, so let's see how let's see how this goes, power-wise. I am Antonio Barbera, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, and it's time to, it's time to make a small announcement uh, to the listeners right off the bat here. Because I was about to introduce Jace Evans first, and I was going to give my usual, and on the West Coast, Jace Evans. However, Mr. Jace Evans has relocated to the East Coast, and he is in the DMV now, back with us, finally. So on the East Coast, Jace Evans. Jace, how are you? I'm doing great, Antonio. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, a dark and stormy night. <laughs> I haven't experienced that a lot. Um Significantly hotter here than where I have been living <laughs> in Los Angeles, so get used to that. But I'm very excited to be back uh, on the East Coast. I, I uh, you know, it's been nine years since I moved out of my parents' house into Iowa to pursue work, and uh, I've been gone ever since. So it's nice to be back in the area again, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, 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 to watching games with you all, to watching games at 1 p.m., a normal time to watch football. 10 a.m. is absurd. I can't get used to it. You're, you're not hyped enough, I think, at 10 a.m. It's just football starting. You're not in the zone yet. It's great for the other sports. They all start earlier. But football, football is a 1 p.m. activity uh, when it's best. And I'm excited to watch at a normal time, like one again. So uh, I'm looking forward to that a lot. I'm looking forward to a bunch of things. But, uh, yeah, it's great to, great to be back. Great to be back in the area. There was... Uh... For a few years, Jace was getting further and further away, and now he's back, back <laughs> with us. There will very likely be more team watch parties and potentially some more actual podcast recording with all three of us in one room now that we're all uh, around here, which which could be fun. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to change this. On the East Coast also, uh, Tim Horsey. <laughs> Tim, how are you doing? I'm good, man. <laughs> I love that Jace is like, yeah, the the, the 1 p.m. kickoff is going to be great. First, I'm not going to do the whole, like, he can't even wake up for a 10 a.m. when I'm consistently up at, like, 6 o'clock in the morning. And that's, like, lunchtime for me at this point. But I can't wait for him to react to the 8.38 
kickoff or the one that ends up being at like 842. And I know you're a night owl, Jace. I know you won't sweat it too, too much. But when that game ends at, I don't know, say it goes to overtime and it's like and the Ravens are playing. So it's like 13-13 and it's just terrible, terrible football that we have to stay up for. And all of a sudden it's, I don't know, 12-15 in the morning and then you can't the Ravens win on a 68-yard field goal from Justin Tucker. So you got all this emotion going. You can't go to bed immediately. It's 1.30, and then you got to wake up for work. That is the one that you're going to have to experience again. The late-night, Sunday-night football kickoff that's like the Sunday scaries are hitting you a lot, and you're just going to try and power through them and know that Monday's going to be miserable. The 1 o'clock, I agree, is great. Football should always be played at 1 o'clock. If you listen to this podcast, you know my thoughts on that. But the, the 8 o'clock one is the one that's going to throw you off a bit, I think. And the few times I have, uh, you know, being back here at my parents' house, flip on a game, a Monday night game that doesn't start until like 8.35. Uh, the worst is the NBA Finals doesn't start until like 9.15. Yeah. <laughs> you're just sitting around for hours. You're like, how has this game not started yet? Uh, it will be an adjustment, but... Uh, um, and every time, yeah, I have experienced it. It has been shockingly late, but, uh, so I'm not sure I'll ever fully readjust to that, but, uh, you know, hopefully we find that sweet spot where the Ravens are good, but don't play that many <laughs> primetime games. Got to reintroduce Jace to, uh, happy hour. That, that nice sweet ah, spot between yes. five, mm-hmm. five and 7 PM to just, uh, burn, burn those hours away. Um, all right. Well, Jace, it is obviously awesome to have you uh have you back around here and uh i'll see you in person hopefully for one of these games coming up because there are games coming up as of this week pod like a raven will be previewing a raven football game every week from now until early february because there'll be another game to preview uh when we get all the way all the way down there but first we are going to attack some of the the more common talking points of training camp and i have them in two different sections uh we're gonna get right into them and i'm gonna just hot take my co-host to death or, or try to drag hot takes out of them as we get going here so the first segment i've officially called panic or patience it's the panic or patience round table from raven's training camp and i have a couple of topics to go over and i'm gonna ask my co-hosts if this is something that we should be panicking about already or if it's August 7th as we record, patience, Iago. Uh, we can wait a couple of more weeks, wait until we get into September, maybe even October before this is supposed to be fully resolved. So the first one that I have is the offense's struggles in camp. This has been widely reported multiple different days where there's been some frustration with Scheme, maybe, uh, adjusting to the new offense with routes, with players. Lamar Jackson, maybe, or maybe not, but definitely did punt a football, which I very much enjoy, is one of his go-to uh, frustration <laughs> moves. Uh, we're all soccer fans uh, on this pod. We, we love that that's his first choice. Offensive struggles in camp, guys. Is this something to be a little nervous about, that it has been such a pervasive issue, or is it... Let's just chill out here. Okay, it's August, and it's a new offense. This is the ultimate, ultimate patience for me. And to the point where, you know, in in my day job, Antonio mentioned soccer. That is what I work in and live at, work, you know, with, I guess, or what I cover for a living. It was MLS All-Star Game and Women's World Cup, and then I took a vacation, actually, which is why I wasn't on the podcast the last time everybody uh, got together. 
I didn't even know about these offensive struggles and hearing about this and kind of prepping for the show today as we get started, it doesn't bother me in the slightest. It's a, it's a completely new offense. And guess what? Lamar Jackson is there throwing footballs. Lamar Jackson is participating. Uh, Zay Flowers is participating. Odell Beckham Jr. is out there with the purple hair and, and, and the caps on his teeth and everything. Like They're there. They're figuring it out. Not worried about it at all. This is the ultimate, ultimate patience for me. And and look, we get to week four, and they're still looking like Kyle Bowler and Travis Taylor out there. Then we got a little bit of problems. But from now, I think we're okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly with Tim and, and lockstep on this one. It, it, it's all about patience. I mean, I think, like, if they weren't, like, this is the time to work out the kinks. It's trading camp. This is exactly what it's for. And I feel like... If, like, there weren't growing pains, that would almost concern me a little bit because that would strike me as they're almost too similar to what they were doing. Or they're uh, being if, too conservative. Of, yeah. Like, not trying to open things up. Yeah. Exactly. Just the play is right out of Madden 23. It's just like, <laughs> flex, go, is the whole planet. Yeah, it's like if they're too comfortable, you're like, uh-oh, we're, we're, are we innovating enough? That kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, you mentioned the particulars putting it. Uh, Mark Andrews flipped off one of their training camp refs at some point over a non-call. Like, that's funny. But, but you know, like Tim said, those guys are participating. They're your two best offensive players, at least at the skill positions. That's what you want. You iron it out, uh, you know, this time of year. Is it funny to see that they threw nine interceptions during Saturday's practice? Yes, and that is an extreme amount, and I don't think that's, like, great, but it's nothing to be concerned about either at the same time. Uh, you know, sometimes you have your nine INT practices. Uh, that's just how it goes when you're kind of breaking in new stuff. Oh, yeah, when I first saw that number, it was – I thought, first of all, I thought all nine were Lamar Jackson, which was which was a concern of mine, but, uh, but no, it was, it was broken down. Uh, only four for him. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, Tim, what a bizarre uh, memory, the bringing up Kyle Bowler, um, just to get real behind the curtain. I had a dream about Kyle Bowler one day this week, and it was like weird football okay, let me related, cut you off. and it was disappointing. This is a family show. Just want to say, he's a good-looking gentleman. This is a family so show. Yeah. Oh, he's so handsome. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah, I agree, with, I agree with, with both of you. I mean, the number is glaring, nine interceptions. The, the attitude is humorous, maybe, about how angry everybody's been. Uh, maybe they're not getting it as quickly as they would like to get it, even if it is complicated or what, what have you. And so that's where the frustration is coming from. But realistically, we could be into October, and that's when the offense finally starts looking like a well-oiled machine and the play clock isn't uh, giving all of us an aneurysm. And there's no there, – there will be pre-snap penalties for this offense in the first few weeks of the regular season, especially with none of these players playing in the preseason games, none of the first stringers new offense it'll uh it'll be annoying but we have to have a little bit of faith that it'll get ironed out by the time the games uh really really start to matter okay the next one patience or panic panic or patience the jk dobbins situation a lot of chatter from a lot of different people within the facility outside of the facility dobbins sometimes maybe his agent uh says something tweets something here or there it's it's a holdout. It's a hold in. Uh, obviously, he's not practicing, which is an issue for RB one. Um, this has been an issue that we have discussed off and on all summer, but now it's finally where he needs to be there now with these practices and this offense taking shape. Panic or patience on the J.K. Dobbins situation, guys? 
I, I, part of me almost wants. And you're not allowed to say mild, mm. mild panic. I'm not allowing middle. <laughs> yeah, panic here. I was gonna say, can I go off the board and say apathy? <laughs> um, no, I guess I'll I'll side if I have to go with the binary. I'll I'll say panic, and I'll say that because, like you uh, you, you said, Antonio, um, this is they they need him out there. He is, by all accounts, they're starting running back. Uh, we just mentioned. Um, them trying to figure out this new scheme, you would like your starting running back to be involved in that process. And maybe he is hurt. Doesn't seem like it from everything the coaches keep saying when John Harbaugh a few weeks ago, a classic Harbaugh quote said, we got some players who are healthy and out there and looking good. You know, that seemed like a veiled shot at JK Dobbins to me, but, uh, you know, uh, the whole thing's dumb. We kind of touched on it, I think, the last time we spoke, Antonio, about how, like, not a, nothing he seems to be doing is serving his purposes since I'm pretty much, I think, guaranteed he's he's not on the team next year. Like, J.K. Dobbins is just not going to be a, a Ravens running back in 2024. So then it's like, what are we doing here? No, like, you're not going to get this contract from them doing this. I don't get it. Uh, so in, in that sense, I'm annoyed by that. And I guess if I have panic... It's more with just, you know, just kind of putting him cold into the offense when they're going to seemingly rely on him. Uh, because, yeah, long term, I, I think it's patience because, you know, who cares? He's not he's not going to his actions. He's not going to be on the team next year. Like everything he's done, I think, has guaranteed that. So it's like, whatever, man. But, yeah, it would be nice to just have him on the field to get this practicing in. Uh, even if it's just like walking through and doing anything <laughs> i not to just make this a boring conversation but i tend to agree with panic only because i'm looking ahead and it's one of those things where you know dobbins wasn't fully healthy last year it was a brutal knee injury he was coming back from and you want a guy you know they talk about i listen to uh, the ringers fantasy football podcast and they always talk about and i know obviously fantasy is a little bit different but they talk about getting guys the year after the year after the injury, where it's a guy who is fully, fully healthy from the, you know, uh, especially what JK had. It wasn't just an ACL, it was an MCL. It was, a, it, was a it was a completely torn up knee. And this is the year after the year after. The example was it was Saquon Barkley last season, was the year after the year after the big injury. He had a big year for the Giants, and then because he's a running back, didn't get paid anything for it. But that's a whole different conversation um, that I guess sort of relates here. Um, and I say all this because I think that J.K. Dobbins, if he fully committed and realized that he hasn't done anything in this league yet and still completely needs to prove himself to, to earn this mythical payday that he thinks for some reason that he deserves based on what he's given the Ravens uh, over, what, a season and a half total? If he fully committed himself to playing, he would. I think he would have a chance to get that payday. I think J.K. Dobbins would easily be... And, you know, maybe there is a little bit of a pushback to just the brutal treatment that running backs have gotten financially this offseason. Maybe next offseason it turns a little bit. If he came out and was fully committed, it makes the Ravens that much better, one. And two, I think, you know, Jace, I agree with you. I think he wouldn't be on the team uh, next season. But I could see a world where he's the highest paid running back in terms of the free agent class next season if he performs to his level. What he's doing right now 
means he's not going to be fully prepared for a completely new offense that's there. We don't know if he's completely healthy. We don't know if he's absolutely ready to go. And it's going to take him six to eight weeks to get ramped up again. And then guess what? He's going to hit free agency and nobody's going to pay him because they did. They haven't seen it on the field, no matter what his agent is whispering into his ear every week about how good he is. You know, Dalvin Cook is a much better running back, a more proven running back. And I know he was in the Jets facility, but from what I've seen, he hasn't signed with a team yet. That's going to happen to J.K. Dobbins. You have a chance to break through. You are that talented. You are that special in terms of what you offer a team if you're on the field. But if you're not going to do it, if you're not going to show up, if you're not going to really commit yourself, I don't know how you expect to get this payday. And from a Ravens point of view, again, I tend to panic a little bit because that's a type of piece in this offense. You know, everybody talks about the risk. They want to talk about the receivers. They want to talk about Munkin. JK is the guy that could break this thing open if everything clicks, if everything goes right. You know, you're going to guard Zay. You're going to guard, God willing, a healthy Bateman. You're going to guard Odell Beckham Jr., who might be a step slow. You're going to try and do your best to defend Mark Andrews, arguably the second best tight end in the National Football League. Well, guess what? Now you got to deal with a dynamic running back who is in the backfield with Lamar Jackson. You got to deal with both of those guys running a read option. Good luck. But. Because of all this drama that is just self-inflicted, really, it's putting the Ravens behind the eight ball when they have to compete in an AFC that is arguably, maybe not even arguably, the toughest we have ever seen it. There could be an 11-win team this year that doesn't make the playoffs. Like, just based on how good this is. And I, obviously, the math might not work out there. But you know what I mean. There could be a very, very good team in the National or in the American Football Conference, the AFC, that could not make the playoffs this year because they had one little thing go wrong when they're competing with so much talent on that side of the bracket. And for the Ravens, it could be J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, well, I forgot I had to answer this. Uh, I'm going to say <laughs> panic from the Ravens' perspective because it's going to be another – Kind of what Tim touched on. Even when he, he will come back at some point, he will play at some point, and it's going to be this long ramp-up period uh, to where you're excited about it, and then it's over, basically, and then that's the end of J.K. Dobbins in Baltimore. I have the tiniest hunch that maybe his whole point with this is just, I'm going to keep the miles as low as possible if I don't start week one great, uh, and then I'm going to try to hit my stride in the second half of the year keep that ridiculous yard per carry number high and then try to ride that into free agency. That is the only thing I can think of at this point that makes any sense about what he is trying to do in terms of this like alienation <laughs> tactic with anyone around him. Um, you know, who's not frustrated by JK Dobbins, situation is Gus Edwards because he's there <laughs> and he is on uh, this, I believe the second year of his two-year the two-year deal that he signed right so he in theory would be a free agent um i believe he would be a free agent after this season and with jk dobbins talking his way and not showing up his way right out of baltimore guess who's going to be thrilled with another two-year nine million dollar contract that just be steady gus steady gus bus is gus edwards five um, yard 5.7 yards a clip or whatever it is yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and he's another guy Tim coming off the uh, in theory the year after the year after the injury so he could be just as explosive too so 
Um, was that thunder that we heard? In, in that, was a, your, that was it. That was that was an enormous lightning crack uh, that just went out, and I. So I'm in a new office here where we record, and and just right across the the way here in the window, you can see some usually see some forest. I can't see the forest because the rain is coming down so heavy. So, oh, God willing, like I'm still with Dobbins. you guys in just a minute. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Unable to see the forest for the trees. J.K. Dobbins, Tim can't see out the window. Uh, all right, next one up here uh, is a little two-parter, um, and it's a two-parter because if we had any Raven news to discuss, it would be the absence of Raven news. In that, Justin Houston, who a lot of us I think were expecting him to be signed or just kind of waiting in the wings to be that late August addition to the Ravens pass rush signed with the Carolina Panthers. So my question to you guys is with no veteran pass rusher signed yet. And now one of the top names on the list in theory, especially because of his rapport with Baltimore, Justin Houston, panic or patience with the Ravens, pass rush situation um it's it's panic for me uh you know i think i think there are some guys still out there obviously you know i'm just going through the, a quick list here you know jadavion Clowney's still out there melvin ingram is still out there but outside of that it gets pretty barren um in terms of names and you know david ajabo still like i think his kind of there's been some days he's missed you know they're trying to be really cautious with him and trying to bring him back as well in terms of training camp and I just, don't, I just don't believe in Adafi Owe. I'm not trying to be in a negative Nancy here, but I just don't believe that those are the two guys that you can have that, you know, in a perfect world, they're each hitting around, what's seven, eight to ten sacks each, you know, kind of being a force on either side of, of that off or that defensive line attacking the offensive line. I just don't see it. I, I don't see it with Adafi Owe being the premium number one guy. Ajabo, again, is – the year after, not the year after the year after, as we keep referring to here. So th- I think there's still a little bit of ramp-up time for him as well. And I think just having a guy like Justin Houston, who, remember when he signed, what, two two seasons ago? He immediately was like a, a good veteran presence in the locker room. Like, he's just a guy that was immediately out there with Adafi Owe. Um, I believe it was when he was a rookie. Maybe he was a second-year guy. Time's a flat circle. Uh, <laughs> when When he's out there... With o- before and after practice with Owe, giving him tips. Like, he's he's one of those consummate leader guys that you always need in the locker room. So, to not have a, a veteran presence in there as of yet, you know, there's still there's still plenty of time, I think, um, in terms of bringing one of these just, like, old heads in. The 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 Antonio or the Antonio's dream of Jadavion Clowney could still, you know, I know that's a couple years removed at this point, but maybe he comes <laughs> in now um, on, a, on a veteran minimum or something like that. But, yeah, for me, this one is a... This is a panic because I, I think this defense has a lot of potential, but I think there's also a case where it's just completely middle of the road because they don't have enough true, true difference makers outside of a few guys. I'm actually going to say patience on this one, Tim, but for the reason you kind of laid out in that I think there's still some time for them to make a move, and I still think I still think they will make a move because – I mean, I just cannot believe that they will just not go in <laughs> without signing another veteran. And I do think those scoop one of these guys, I believe is Kyle Van Noy has been sort mm. of linked to them as yeah. well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I do think they'll bring someone in. I, I think, um, Antonio, one of the things we sort of touched on is they do seem to be uh, 
putting a lot of faith and impressed by some of these young guys, sort of, uh, including on the interior. Uh, and not even a young guy, like apparently Michael Pierce has supposedly looked great and the defensive lineman Travis Jones was giving people problems at their, their M&T Bank uh, stadium practice. And so, you know, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they, you know, have similar pass rush numbers even without Houston. I'm kind of surprised, frankly, Houston's not back because I just assume they were going to sign a veteran guy. I just thought it would be Houston. Um and kind of like we talked about, like if Houston wanted to play, I assume they'd just make it work because he's been kind of like, will I come back? Will I not? But clearly the Ravens didn't want him. And that's interesting. So, um, you know, I still think they probably need something. They clearly, I think, are feeling more positive about it. And I guess because their thoughts on it, that's where I lean patience. But I still do think they bring in someone before because, like you said, I, I we'll touch on him in a bit. Uh, oh, way, I'm still not a believer. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was surprised by the Houston thing, but but I still think patience in this scenario um, is okay. But um, you know, the young guys do need to step up. I was talking uh, to a buddy recently and was surprised to relearn. I think I knew this, but rediscover that the Ravens haven't had a double digit sack guy since Terrell Suggs in 2017. That yeah, was several years ago. Now. It's too long. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it would be nice to have 10 sacks uh, and hopefully someone on the roster currently is the guy to do it. I'm fully in the patience uh, camp on this one. It's interesting. Are they waiting until the end of camp and preseason to see what their injury situation does somebody get hurt in the next couple of weeks and then they have to re- reassess sort of what the roster numbers are going to look like are they just that impressed with the bodies that they have had in camp thus far are they just waiting because they're the ravens and they have to do this uh you know it has to be after august 20th before they <laughs> add some sort of veteran to the roster I'm patient. I'm, tr- I'm saving some of my uh, responses for, for the next segment a bit further down uh, in the episode when I think my co-hosts are going to pretend like the power went out and both just log log off of the Zoom call that we're having. I, <laughs> but there's, I'm in I'm the patience Here's foreshadowing. There's no way you're going to say what I think you're going to say. There's just no <laughs> way. We'll get there. Uh, uh, um, yeah, as Jace mentioned, there is time to add somebody. The Kyle Van Noy thing... Uh, his last four seasons, five sacks, five sacks, six sacks, six and a half sacks. That's what I want. That's fine. Depth at the position with proven numbers as a veteran consistently over the last four years. Sounds fine. That sounds good to me. But And a guy we should mention too, just real quickly, because I, I pulled up the depth chart. Not that I forgot, but it's just one to mention. Tyus Bowser is going to be playing on one, one of those sides. And he's not really a pass rusher. That's not what he does. He's He's... Jarrett Johnson, he sets the edge. He he is a solid, solid football player. Um, he's not going to get double-digit sacks, I don't think. But Tyus Bowser, it does have one of those spots. So then you do have kind of a a rotation here between Owe and Ajabo. And then it's a clear pass uh, passing situation. You change out your package a little bit as well. But someone we should mention where there, there are more bodies than we imagine. Obviously, Tavius Robinson, the, the rookie as well. I'm out of Ole Miss, too. So just figured, you know, it's not going to be – it ain't going to be Owe and Ajabo starting on the outside every single snap. Tyus Bowser is going to take a majority of those, especially on early downs. All right, last one for panic or patience. It's cornerback depth. We have 
also talked about this over the last few weeks, months, and dare I say years, uh, <laughs> decades uh, in Baltimore. Rakyasin banged up already. That took like three <laughs> practices. Um, it's thin. It's thin at the position. It is thin in terms of proven ability as a starter in the National Football League. There's, again, a lot of bodies, a lot of dudes uh, in that room for the Ravens, a lot of potential, a lot of young guys, but not a lot of proven starts uh, behind Humphrey. And with Rocky Yassin banged up, apparently nothing serious, but again, it took two to three practices. What's going to happen once we get into 17-game season? Panic or patience? Uh, for the situation at cornerback for the Ravens. Let me just read some names out. Um, and this is from the R-Lads depth chart. Jalen Armour Davis, Brandon Stevens, Geno Stone, Kai Blue Kelly, shout out Kai Blue Kelly, and, and Frankie Kelly as well. Pepe Williams, Daryl Worley, Ardarius Washington, Kavon Seymour. These are players that will get significant time if any of the Ravens starters in the secondary get any sort of hurt. And that includes Arthur Mallett, the the nickelback slot guy that they signed recently. I don't really think I need to make more of an argument to panic about, about the depth of the cornerback room. It has always been an issue. I think it's the secret issue of the Baltimore Ravens. Cause like any fan looks at the Ravens are like, ha, ha, never have receivers. They stink. I think the other issue with the Ravens is that they just can't keep corners healthy and they always have to go to your, Chris Cars, who ends up being a starter for like four years because he got he was forced into a role. It was probably it was probably only like two, but it felt like four. He was like forced into a role because of massive injuries, and then he just kept getting starts for the Ravens and was absolutely terrible and constantly the guy that gets burned. And they hold on to the one guy for just a little bit too long when he's starting to really lose it, but they keep him on because he's been a vet on the team forever. The corner they've had some elite, elite, elite cornerbacks. Um, and Marlon Humphrey is one of those guys. Absolutely. And I love, I love Kyle Hamilton. Uh, somebody we'll talk about in a bit. I feel like I love Marcus Williams as well, but one injury, one injury. And we're talking about a unit that I think is severely lacking in again, an NFL that's super pass heavy in a, a division where you have to go up against a seemingly can't get worse Deshaun Watson a Kenny Pickett with George Pickens, who's making everybody look like a rag doll, and, and, and Deontay uh, Johnson as well. And then, oh yeah, the Cincinnati Bengals with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, uh, you know, whoever's throwing to them, whether it's Trevor Simeon or Joe Burrow, who will almost certainly be back for the start of the regular season, it seems like. Yeah, I, I, full-blown panic for me. Yeah. I'm panicking a little bit. And, and Tony, I believe we had talked, like, our, our last show about how a lot of people were just like penciling in Rock Yassin as a sure thing. I like, I'm not sold there either. I, I, I'm very concerned with this position group for all the reasons Tim said. I feel like I don't even really need to belabor the point too much. It's just like he, he laid it out so well. It's just, the, the, you know, we're, we're a Marlon Humphrey injury away from the corners kind of resembling uh you know that 2021 game against the Bengals where Burrow threw for 500 yards against the likes of I think like Kavon Seymour and Daryl Worley weren't they on that team like it was bad it, it was really bad and, and they're not that far removed I guess you could argue there's a case Armour Davis is you know Pepe Williams are both better in their second years and, and I think we talked to Antonio like and as Tim mentioned 
I do love what's going on in the safety position. And, you know, nine interceptions in their practice <laughs> of the Ravens' offense at least suggests they're, you know, doing something right. And I'm sure Marcus Williams can get their hands on a few balls. But, yeah, uh, outside of Marlin, it, it is it is not great. And um, I'm still concerned. And if they, I don't even really know who there is out there to add. But because at this point, you're, are you just adding more of the same kind of at the end of the day? It's like if a cornerback's sort of available now, it's like, well, he's probably not that great, really. I mean, I guess the same could be said for our defensive line conversation we just had, but that's sort of a, you know, I think a statement on, on the position of that group. But yeah, I'm concerned. Um, no, no no two ways about it. I think I think this could, could make or break uh, the season and we're not, you know, it, it, people haven't really gotten hurt yet. As we remember last year, Kyle Fuller tore his ACL like eight minutes into week one or something. It was or at the end of that game, I guess. But um, yeah, it just it, every year. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned for sure. Yeah, it's panic for me, Cotton. Uh, <laughs> every offense is going to line up, find Marlon Humphrey on the field, and then throw to the other side. Yep. And it's going to happen every single play over and over and over again. A lot of youth. You know, a lot of draft pick guys. Let's have one of them step up. Um, I think Brandon Stevens has a tremendous opportunity in in front of him, which is what you say when there's desperate (laughs) situations. And what we've said for a couple years. Frame it as a positive, by the way. We've said that for a couple years with him. Yeah, Uh, safety. Both safety spots obviously are fully locked up. He was drafted as kind of like a tweener, like okay, could play safety, could play corner. You want to be on the field? Uh, here's your opportunity to play the best corner that you've ever played because there are snaps to fill, uh, and we will see how that goes. But I mean, I, sh- I should have done as like a question for you guys: What's more likely uh, to happen during the season that we sign an edge rusher or that we sign another corner? Uh, I mean, it could, could be either one uh, yeah. at this point, or some sort of magic hybrid that does both both things. Um, Scheme and we, Jace, we did talk about this a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago, so I don't want to kind of go over the same points because I know the listener uh, listened to that episode, uh, that episode as well, so they're they're fully plugged in. But scheme, I think, is going to be a gigantic part of this, where they are essentially going to just try to have three safeties on the field at all times uh, and fewer corners, and see where they can go from there. But at the moment, talent wise and prove it to us wise uh it's full it's full panic and my final mini trivia point to to you guys before we move to the next section tim mentioned uh kind of those cornerbacks of of your how many games do you think fabian washington started oh. for the ravens oh. over three seasons three seasons he wasn't good in any of them he was there three seasons how many starts i don't remember him being what's there that 16 long? times three <laughs> Is that forty-eight? Is that what that is? I'll do. I'll do that. I'll say he started every single game. I'll say he started Just, twenty games. <laughs> that's perfect. It was Tim. It wasn't all full three seasons, but it was thirty starts Jesus. and thirty-six games played over three seasons. He was never good in any in any of those situations. <laughs> so many holds, so many pass interferences. And it's just that type of guy over and over and over again. That has been. Uh, that was a great a great point made. That. We have struggled uh, at cornerbacks two and three uh, more seasons than we'd like to remember. All right. The next section 
Oh, and, and I could have saved this for a few weeks down the road, but I couldn't help myself. It's James Prochet Award season. Usually we wait. Uh, I love the fade out, Tim. That was, that thank was you, awesome. thank you. Um, Audio professional. Norm, normally I wait until the preseason games to, to break this out, like, you know, who's really done the – but it's, that's not what this award should be about. It is not about what we have seen in preseason games and who's looked good. The James Prochet Award is who's looked good in practice. Who's on the jugs machine after practice is over. Who's running the sprints, grabbing teammates to run the sprints. Uh, he's definitely going to have an amazing season this year, and then he just really doesn't. We have nothing against James Prochet. I want to... I want to... Add that in here as well. Great guy. A lot of of nice footage um, from him at camp this year, talking to, like, little kids and, like, hanging out and signing stuff and and being a great – that's great. This is purely the football side of who's that name that you keep hearing over and over again. Um, And then it pretty much falls flat once we get to the actual regular season. So I'm going to run through uh, a few few players and ask my – co-hosts if they're going to buy or sell this player receiving the james prochet award or if there's actually something to this so if they sell they think that this player's actually hitting that hype and going to exceed expectations and going to have that great season but if they buy they are buying a nice academy award james prochet figurehead for this player starting off with say flowers now, I have quotes for all of the players that I'm going to mention in this section, and they all come from Jeff Zrebeck at The Athletic because he's great. Jeff, we'd love to have you on uh, at some point. I know you listen. I know you're a longtime listener, uh, a never caller. But um, <laughs> if you're interested, we'd, lo- we'd love to have you on. So he wrote a great piece this week about players who have exceeded expectations and kind of luck not look too good. So I'm, I'm coming from that article with quotes describing how these players have looked. Uh, and I'm starting with Zay Flowers. Quote, Uh, He's been seen torching cornerbacks in one-on-ones with his quickness and suddenness, and he's getting targeted regularly in full-team sessions. Say flowers for the James Prochet Award. Are you buying or selling? So can I just make a quick clarification here? If we're buying the James Prochet Award, do we also mean that this all this stuff in practice is a load of crap? And like, so we're buying the fact that that's great, but I don't really care. And then we're selling. So it's kind of like a reverse of giving the guy plaudits, <laughs> essentially. Like, is that is that what we're doing here? Because the James Prochet Award in spirit is, yeah, a lovely guy. James Prochet sucks at football. And he just, and it's just, <laughs> I'm done with it. I'm done with it. As soon as Odell took the three, we should have cut him. And I, the video talking to kids, obviously great. Seems like a great dude. And But he's not an NFL wide receiver. He's just not. So are, are we doing that for the James Prochet Award? Because if that's the case, if that is the case, and if it's not, feel free to correct me. But if that is the there, case. There is, the, the Academy allows uh, some leeway with the interpretation uh, of the rules of this game. But really, the player does not want to receive the James Prochet Award. Okay. But if you're, if you're buying it, they're getting that award. Because <laughs> what's happening doesn't mean what's actually going to translate. Beautiful. So you do not want the James Prochet Award. Easy clarification. And for Zay Flowers, I'm going to sit right on the fence. I'm not going to buy <laughs> nor sell. Here's why. Zay Flowers. Nominated, no award. Nominated, no award. Here's why. 
I'm excited for Zay Flowers. I'm in on Zay Flowers. I think Zay Flowers is going to be an impact player on this team. I think that Todd Munkin is going to put him in interesting spots to succeed. I think he is a supercharged Devin DuVarnay in terms of what he could do for this offense. And albeit being a bit smaller, toughness, good catch radius, you know, all, all the stuff we talked about leading up to the draft of just this guy makes plays. He is a dude. I buy all that. I don't buy anything that receivers do in training camp. I'm done with it. George Pickens is getting a, a social video every six hours from Steelers camp, and they're all OPI. Every single one of them is OPI. <laughs> There's the one with the Justin Ross guy that he, like, uh, the Chiefs guy who, like, does the he burns the corner and, like, wipes his hands off on his towel, and it's like, oh, he had time to wipe his hands off on his towel and make the catch. He's getting de if he does that in an actual football <laughs> game, even with the rules and the way they are now. It's not happening. Like, so the hype around – we did it with, with uh, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, just a few short seasons ago right here on this podcast where we said, oh, He's got his helmet on while he's working out. And I'll tell you, he looks pretty, pretty, pretty good. I'm, I'm not buying the receivers when, when they're just wearing shoulder pads and shorts. So, he is nominated. He is not going to receive a James Prochet Award, uh, Zay Flowers, because I think he got nominated for all the bull crap that I don't care about, but I'm not going to give him the award because I still believe in the guy. I want to believe too, Tim, and that's why I am selling. He will not receive the James Prochet Award. He is, I, I, and maybe I'm buying into the hype too much, but he, you know, he's our, our, our first first round pick in since who? Travis Taylor? I'm trying Mark Clayton, who is seemingly not entering his rookie season, just injured. <laughs> so that's been nice. Bateman obviously had the hernia surgery. That way laid his rookie year, Mark, uh, Hollywood Brown, right? He had screws in his foot that, like, impacted him his first season. And then he burst onto the scene very quickly, Hollywood, in his uh, to his credit. But, um, you know, still that offseason was weird for him. I like that Zay is, you know, playing. He's getting reps. And I think kind of like we talked about a, a few weeks ago, Antonio, when we touched on Bateman, still not practicing, was seen running around on an adjacent field today, so um, Monday as we record. So maybe he's getting closer to a return. It certainly seems a little more promising than the JK situation, at least with him. But I, I'm, I love, I want Rashad Bateman to succeed. I don't see it. Um, and if Zay Flowers can just grab the reins and become wide receiver two or maybe even wide receiver one. That would be great. So I want to believe I get Tim's hesitancy to, to completely uh, sell um, given the Ravens history in this position. I mean, it's remarkable. Like I was thinking about how they haven't had a pro Bowl receiver they've drafted ever. And it's like, this isn't like that young a franchise anymore. Like, they're rapidly closing in on 30 years of existence. I mean, at this point, no, nobody's going to do it because we all are busy now being adults and what have you. But we could look up the amount of Pro Bowls receivers every team has, ha has drafted since 1996. <laughs> and I'm, I'm fairly certain that the Ravens would be the only one with none. Maybe a couple other teams. Maybe. Yeah, I don't see I, even the yeah even though like you think the lions had like calvin freaking johnson so it's just like well so the yeah. my own my other thought was like the patriots <laughs> but then it's like 
Well, they did technically draft Julian Edelman, right? Or he was, and yeah. he, I'm sure he made a Pro Bowl at some point down the line, something like that. Yeah. So yeah, that that's good call. But I think Edelman, yeah, they did draft him, right? So yeah, it, it's just remarkable uh, that that hasn't happened. So I, I, I would love it to be Zay Flowers again. I don't think he's gonna win Rookie of the Year or anything. But I will, at least when it comes to winning the James Prochet Award, I will sell because I think. You know, I, we talked about this kind of back in draft time. I do love guys who produce for very bad college football teams, which Boston College was not great. And that's promising because there's a lot of attention on you and you still put up numbers. So um, if he can translate any of it to the NFL, great. And the fact that he's healthy, knock on wood, furiously knocking on wood, and in training camp is great. So hopefully he keeps it up and I will sell. He will not receive the James Prochet Award this year. I'm selling this uh, with rock bottom prices. I want this sold as quickly as possible. I am ready to get hurt again. <laughs> you know what I want in a wide receiver immediately? Get open. Uh, I'm going to figure out the hands situation. I'm going to figure out the size. or well, He's got to work on his he's route running a little bit. This guy apparently is getting open every day, all the time, in every setting. And that's what I want. I want a playmaking wide receiver that catches the ball and gets by people and also runs his route and leaves a cornerback in the dust to make big gains. Now, I'm selling, and I'm so prepared to get hurt because there's going to come a time, and it's going to come early in the season, where he catches a pass, kind of does half of a juke to get by the corner, and a linebacker comes out of nowhere and hits him, and he's going to fly like 50 feet through the air and I'm going to all of a sudden get very, very nervous about the future career <laughs> of Zay Flowers. Hollywood Brown, 5'9", 181 pounds. Zay Flowers, 5'9", 183 pounds. He's going to look <laughs> tiny and it's going to be an issue a lot. Um, I'm selling this also in part because of, J uh, because of Jace's excellent point about the injury situation. There isn't one. Like all these other guys seemingly had but once he gets hit once, I'm going to kind of put my hands in front of my face and say, oh boy, I don't know if this is going to work for 17 games. But for now, <laughs> say Flowers, you, you go, you. Uh, not even a nomination, not even, you're not even invited to the to this <laughs> ceremony, okay? Just stay away from the building. I'm selling that hard. Next up, in the James Pro Shea Award nominations, Kyle Hamilton, quote from Zarebeck has been one of the best players on the field for much of camp. He was a little confused the first eight games or so as a rookie, started to make strides in terms of knowing where to be, what to do, and also making plays. Highlighted, maybe, with the uh, blast on Hayden Hurst that forced the fumble in the playoff game against the Bengals that he then also recovered. Is the sophomore year, is this when he jumps another level and becomes that you know top 15 draft pick or uh or is it all just camp chatter and he still has a ways to go buying or selling kyle hamilton as a james Prochet award winner so antonio went to deliver these nominations to the individual players and he drove up to kyle hamilton's house and he goes to try and knock on the door and hand the envelope over and all of a sudden Randy Orton, a.k.a. me, comes in and RKO's Antonio, knocks it out of his hands. There's no way. Complete sell on Kyle Hamilton. I said this with Matt Abike last year. 
then I thought he was going to make a big step up and kind of be a pivotal player on this defense. And Kyle Hamilton is the man I'm staking to myself this year. Kyle Hamilton will be the second most important player on this defense by the end of the season. Behind Roquan Smith. He will be more important than Marlon Humphrey is on this defense. I think his length, I think his football intelligence, I think his queen on the chessboard type of style where he played a lot of slot corner last year. Obviously, because they had Chuck Clark and Marcus Williams in the back, he's going to have to play a little bit more actual safety. But Mike McDonald is going to float that guy around and basically put him wherever he needs him. He can cover. He's big. He's rangy. I mean, even when we saw him in preseason last year, I went, that dude, that that's a safety? That guy's playing – okay, sure, sign me up. I think that Kyle Hamilton is – I think I believe he had actually a great first preseason game. He might have had a forced fumble in that game too, from what I remember. Um, you have to go back check the tape. Maybe I'm completely wrong there. Um, don't quote me. But <laughs> I think Kyle Hamilton is going to be. If this team is successful, if this team is good, if this team makes a deep playoff run, one of the like most important players that on you know divisional weekend or whatever, and we're watching seven hours of pregame and and you know there's start Terry Bradshaw starts to. F- lose where he is and Michael Strahan can't figure it out and then you got you know everybody trying to just bring everybody back together let's figure this out the one talking point that the producer is going to be screaming in people's ear you know there's a guy that a lot of people aren't talking about in this Ravens defense every podcast known to man is talking about this player but we're just going to say this anyway on the pregame show is that Kyle Hamilton that guy is a real difference maker for the Baltimore Ravens I think I think he is that dude completely selling completely selling I'm buying the hype as Antonio says, you know, I'm ready to be hurt again. Me too with <laughs> Kyle Hamilton. He's never going to get burned. He's going to make constant plays. He's going to be the best-looking safety in purple and black since... Just I'll leave it right there at that. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all in. I'm all in. I will also sell this. And, um, you know, this is what you want to hear for Hamilton. He was, uh, I, and I think, building off what you said, what you guys said, a successful second half of his rookie year... You want to carry that momentum. And I think, you know, he shows up year two. I feel like you see a lot of guys take the leap to year two if they're going to be good to great players. Um, After like a season, just historically, you know, the year two, the sophomore jump, it's when you want to see it. Um, and, And the fact that he's getting these rave reviews coming off what was a strong close to his rookie year. It kind of, you know, it lines up with the talent everyone said this guy had. I, you know, if we reflect back to draft time, there were like some, I believe it was the ringer too, maybe. But uh, there's like some boards that had Hamilton as high as like the second ranked player in the class behind um, Aiden Hutchinson, I guess. Right. And so um, early in the process, he was locked for top five. Yeah. yeah and so like this is what you want from a guy who people thought that highly of who does have that talent, the freak build. Like you said, I mean, I, I'll never, the, it's hilarious to me at their draft photo that he was taller than Tyler Linderbaum. Like that's <laughs> freaky <laughs> for your safety to be taller than your starting center. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, if he could just match that and continue to build on it, that's great. Now I'm not going to, you know, I don't know. He's going to make all pro or anything this year. I'm not ready to go that far, but um, I, 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 I sell it in terms of James Prochet award nomination just because this is the progression you want to see for a guy with his talent. And so hopefully, obviously, he carries it over to games. Um, but, I, you know, he, he has he has the build, and if he can match it with everything else to be special, 
it's great. So yeah, if he if he's harnessing that, that's what you want to see, and that's what you want going into year two for a guy like him. So yeah, I'm selling this. I, I think he should be a, a a lot better in kind of building off what he started to do at the very end of last year. At this position for this player, I'm not ready to get hurt again. So I'm I'm riding the fence as Jace did, even though I didn't allow it in the first section. I mean, whatever, it's my it's my game. I can change, <laughs> change, change the rules as I go. I'm just I'm afraid. I'm so afraid to get too excited about him until I see it really happening consistently in a regular season game. And I still have some doubts about his speed and kind of his ability to close. Uh, I have some thoughts about that, but I'm I'm not buying it. I'm not giving him the James Prochet award. Absolutely not. So uh, I just need to see it. I j- I'm too afraid. I'm too afraid because I'm getting all these ridiculous notions of, you know the last time the Ravens drafted a cornerstone defensive player and a cornerstone offensive lineman in the first round in the same draft? Uh, it was 1996. I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that because obviously we don't just have – I'm not going to pretend that we already have two Hall of Famers in waiting. But it would be nice if these two guys both ended up being at some point like all pro players that we got in the same first round of the same draft when the team needed to get better at drafting players in the first round. But I'm afraid. I'm too afraid, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna ride the fence, um, and wait and wait, and then in October turn to Tim and say, Tim, you were so right, uh, and we can give him the Matabuke Award. We can give him the Justin Matabuke Award, a player that made the leap from one season to the it next. It doesn't happen often, so let's <laughs> let's hopefully I'm t- two for two. That would be great. The last play. Oh boy, I'm not. I need another drink before we get to the last player on this list for the James Prochet Award. It's Odafe Owe. <clears throat> the quote from Zaribek. Even Zaribek was afraid in his piece of giving, saying too much about Owe because it's kind of, we've been there, done that. But he said, Owe, quote, is playing with confidence and energy and is spending an awful lot of time in camp in the backfield. In addition, as we discussed previously, the Ravens did not sign Justin Houston, who you would think would be the perfect you know, one more year, run it back with the same guy. They have not signed any other veteran pass rusher as of yet. Do they, are they also seeing this from Oway and they're excited? Is it, is it Ojabo? That's actually the reason that they haven't signed a pass rusher yet. Are we buying? Oh boy, man, I got to turn the, turn the volume <laughs> down on my headphones. Are we buying or selling Odafe Oe for the James Prochet Award? Uh, it's a sell for me, <laughs> or no, it's a buy from me, Antonio. Oh, okay. oh, oh my god, I misspoke. Okay. I, okay. I misspoke. Huh. Yeah, it's a buy. I, I was, uh, I got confused for half a second <laughs> about our parameters. No, this is a big time buy. Um, he is, I think, the lock for the James Prochet Award <laughs> uh, um, at this point, just because, uh, you know, and I guess this kind of ties into what uh, I just said about Hamilton. So maybe that's cause for pause with him but we said i feel like all this exact same stuff about Oway last year and then he went out and had like three sacks all season you know he's just running around not being able to close he's two steps from the quarterback constantly um somehow he's always in the backfield but he'll just never sack them it's it's like i don't know it's like sisyphus in the rock with that guy i it, it, i don't know what's going on with him he just it could never happen it uh and uh, you know 
could he prove us wrong? I guess. But how many guys get it in year three, I guess? That's where I go back to the, the, the Hamilton stuff where it's like, it seems like if you're going to be great, it kind of starts year two. It's it's very rare you got, get a guy, you know, I guess it's like a Josh Allen. And that's about it, where it's like three years in, it finally clicks. Usually it's it happens in year two if it's going to happen. And, and he got worse <laughs> in his second season. And so, so, so I just have to buy him as a prime James Prochet candidate just because I was like, I feel like we just we read all this stuff last year and then he went out and yeah he had a worse year than he had as a rookie and you know uh, maybe they're relying on him a little bit less with Ojabo there I do think that's a solid point and I think Ojabo is probably more the reason they're excited than Owe because it's like I don't know what has he shown that's so different than everything else he's been doing is he he got to get another half a step closer to a quarterback without sacking him this year. Like, great, I guess. But I don't know. I just, I want to believe. People, don't, people don't forget yeah. <laughs> uh, getting outrun by Jacoby Brissett. People don't, they don't forget that. Yeah, it's, it, that's, yeah, it's, I want to believe because we need, as we've mentioned, we need guys to sack the quarterback. But I, I just have. I'm not rooting against the guy, obviously. I just I have no faith he's going to do much of anything this year. I mean, that's that's the point right there I wanted to start with, is in these segments that we bring up, it's that we're not rooting against any of these players. You know, we we are Ravens fans. We want them all to do incredibly well. That being said, you're 2023 winner with a bullet locked in. There shouldn't have <laughs> been any, any other nominations is Adafi way. I mean, after this year, if he finishes with sub-five sacks again – I'm going to rename this award the Adafi Owe Award because of because of what's been going on uh, with him. <laughs> it's and, and everything Jay said was right. He got worse. We heard this last year. The guy had zero sacks in his final year in college, remember? Still learning the position, still learning the game, quote-unquote, what have you. And let me just remind you of a simple, simple fact. They're not hitting each other in training camp. He's a defensive lineman. You're not going to learn anything about a defensive lineman in training camp. Oh, he's built for speed and he's running around the tackle that is not allowed to hit him? Great. Great. That's fantastic news. Just wait till he has to go up against another guy who's trying to clean his clock or protect his quarterback and using every tool that he is allowed. Offensive linemen aren't allowed to do anything. They're just basically running through their... Their steps. Now, if we get into preseason and Oway plays, which I guess he won't, you know, he's not going to play a ton as a starter, and he's destroying offensive tackles, no, I'm still not going to believe in Adafi Oway <laughs> until I see it in the regular season. There's just absolutely no way. So this is the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate award winner for the James Prochet Award. The James Oway Award, or the Adafi <laughs> Prochet. The Adafi Prochet sounds really good. I like that. The Adafi. Right out of con. The Adafi Brochet Award to Adafi Owe. Um, you look, I would love, I would love to be wrong on this one. Just like I'd be love to be right on the Kyle Hamilton because it would make that defense so much better. Owe is not the answer. Um, I At this point, I don't even know if he's the answer as the rotational rush guy, which is the issue for a former first-round pick. So, yeah, the award winner for me, Adafi Owe. I guess congratulations. <laughs> I want to sell this so bad. Oh, oh my no. God. I want to sell it so bad. 
I can't help myself. I think I, I was worried myself. you were going to sell, which is why I said it on accident. <laughs> I do believe in development. Jace, you mentioned, like, are they going to figure it out in year three? I think he's exactly the profile of a player who could figure it out in year three. But I can't get the vision out of my mind of him not being able to chase down these pocket passers when he's half a step away. Joe Burrow did it over Over and over over again with him. But, on the the other (laughs) hand, has he been good at figuring out what should be the much harder part, which is getting by the offensive linemen? He's figured that part out pretty well. It's just the closing and getting to the quarterback, and maybe that is just technique and figuring out angles and closing. And fa- I'm selling. I'm selling. Odafe Owe will not receive the James Prochet Award. Now, am I doing this kind of in part to just kind of go against the, co- the co-host here and then try to, you know, yes. Will this look really, really bad by Thanksgiving? Yes. Yes, it will. Of course it will. But I'm selling, <laughs> and just to anger them even more, Odafeoa this year has a career high in sacks. Oh, good. So he has six. Six. He has six. <laughs> Great. Six. That's awesome. Great. I, just real quickly on this, I'm not. I'm not going to fight you on this. This is fine. I want to know if it's not. If it ain't Odafeoa, everybody's getting hyped up in camp. It's camp. Almost everybody gets hyped up. I guess except the receivers that are dropping balls. Who for you? Let's turn negative just a little bit, Antonio. Who for you is the this is going to be hard to say. Adafe Proche award winner. I'm hammering that one home for the Ravens this season. Who do you think it is? Uh, I do have an answer to this. And I think it's the combination of Daniel Falele and Malisala Amaveilolu. They're both kind of getting some nice chatter about looking good on the O-line. And specifically, right, I don't think either of them are going to be a long-term answer uh, at left guard I think they are big guys who do not have a lot of other things going for them outside of this massive size so I have concerns about the left guard position um, with those with those two players who have they've been getting some chatter I think most well mostly uh, Amave Laulu has gotten some chatter about like looking good and maybe being able to fit into that spot I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's there for for either of them so that's my example for that. But I'm just, oh gosh, I said this to Jace like eight times last episode. I'm manifesting a lot, and I'm trying to manifest <laughs> Odafe Owe uh, of having a, a successful season. So I think David Ajabo, and I have been high on him for uh, a while, I think he ends up being the 10-sack guy this season. And I think that takes just enough pressure off of Owe. He is no longer like the the main guy that they have to offenses have to focus on in terms of the pass rush. Uh, and Owe makes a couple of plays uh, that we didn't expect him to make, and he has six sacks <laughs> this uh, this season and has a career high and twice as many as he had. He didn't even start. I pulled this up and I didn't like also didn't remember this. Maybe I blocked this out of my memory too. Played 17 games, started six, uh, and I think the snap counts went down as the season went along. So, oh boy, Odafe, I'm putting my reputation <laughs> on the line here uh, for you, big guy. So, I think he double he doubles the sack number to six, ends up being a good Robin uh, to the Ojabo Batman uh, on on the pass rush for for this 
for this unit. And God, I hate it. I hate it. Just just saying it right now. Okay, <laughs> that's it for those two sections. Let's have some let's have some fun. Let's do the trivia game. Tim, you are up this week, going through uh, box scores and clues. Jason and I will fight to see who can name <laughs> the player first. An incorrect guess eliminates you from guessing in the future. And the earlier you guess, the more points you get. Through seven rounds of this, Jace, shockingly, is ahead with nine points. Tim has five points, and I have four. Tim, who do you have for us? I just want to say I'm really happy that you didn't select the combination of Rashad Bateman and Odell Beckham Jr. for the James Brochet <laughs> Award, because we could be there, too. But anyway, uh, <laughs> th- this one, I don't know why this kind of game stuck out in my mind, but we're going to get this one, boys. We're going to get this one at some point, and... I apologize if the clues are incredibly vague to start, but that's kind of how we have to do these things, especially with Jace Evans on the other line. Clue number one. This was a pre-2010 primetime game against a divisional opponent. This was a pre-2010 primetime game against a divisional opponent. And I will give you the hint. Primetime does not mean 425. (laughs) Jace, that's the late afternoon game on the East Coast. I'm going to assume that we're just going to roll on after that. Yeah, got to get to. I can't can't be throwing out wild guesses here. Because it could technically be any player on the roster (laughs) still for those seasons. Could still, trust me. Clue number two. Before the fourth quarter, the Ravens offense, led by the previously mentioned Kyle Bowler, had scored 12 points on four field goals. (laughs) The player in question... Scored a touchdown late in the fourth quarter that sealed the win in dramatic fashion, we'll call it. I'll read it again. Before the fourth quarter, the Ravens (laughs) offense, led by Kyle Bowler, had 12 points on four (laughs) field goals. This player scored a touchdown late in the fourth quarter in dramatic fashion to seal the win. I mean, I I have that idea, but I... Me too, but it's... I'm scared. Oh, man. Okay. Everybody's scared. All right. Clue number three here. The Ravens defense went up against the likes of Antonio Bryant, Lee Suggs, and Jeff Garcia in this matchup. Lee Suggs rushed 18 times for 56 yards and fumbled once, while Jeff Garcia completed 15 of 26 passes for 146 yards with two fumbles, one lost, and an interception. So hold on, hold on, Antonio. Do you have an idea here? I do. J- Jace has an idea. I want to. If you want to take a risk here, I, w- I want to give you the opportunity to maybe usurp Jace here and get a guess first. Because we, we don't, we don't, we don't really. I accept. I accept the usurping. Okay, we don't really have like a buzzer or anything. And Jace, you're up by you're up by a billion. You're still yeah, gonna no, win this. No, don't worry fair. about it. Well, it's the. The interception in the end zone. It's it's Ed Reed. It's Ed Reed returning an interception for a touchdown. It is Ed Reed returning an interception for a touchdown in 2004. By the way, if you want to feel old, I I thought that was much later. Uh, the 2004. It is November 7th, 2004 against the Cleveland Browns. Just an all time. Cleveland. Uh, they returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown. And then uh, Baltimore had a field goal. Cleveland had a field goal. Baltimore had three field goals. Cleveland had another field goal. Jamal Lewis scored a rushing touchdown. Um, and then they had the interception return TD that sealed the deal 
for the Ravens. I'll read the rest of the clues because they're just funny. Um, this player made the biggest impact on the game, even though the likes of Gary Baxter, another guy, Ed Hartwell, and Corey Fuller recorded more tackles in the game. And this player set the record for the longest interception return in the history of the NFL, only to break that exact record four years later in a game against the Philadelphia Eagles. And a bonus clue just for me. This is one of 12 interceptions Ed Reed recorded against the Browns, and there's just no wonder that he is my favorite player of all time. 12 interceptions against that lowly scum of Cleveland. So there it is. Antonio, congratulations on the third clue there, Ed Reed. We couldn't put him as a random Raven. I figured we'd try and get him included in this game in some way, shape, or form. I thought about taking a swing uh, after the second clue, but I, I was just like, there's so many chances that this is a different guy. <laughs> I, I thought it was Jamal Lewis at that at that stage. I thought it was maybe the Steelers game where he was going for the rushing, the rushing mm. record. But they they I think they had more than twelve, more than four field goals in that game. Yeah. But um, yeah, two things. I appreciate the ability to just just go ahead of Jace. Um, <laughs> I'll take the points on that. Uh, and then the second thing is, I love Ed Reed. That was an amazing play. If you go back and look at it, there's absolutely pass interference uh, on the Browns. I forget if it was a tight end or a wide receiver. He absolutely gets yanked. It's not Ed's fault. He's just making plays, nope. making plays out there, returning picks. It was 2004. <laughs> when the game was allowed to be played the right way. You know what I mean? Uh, so through eight now. Jace with nine points. I think that's three points I think I get for that. So I'm yep, at seven. Be three. Tim is at five. Um, yeah, just three three uh free points for me so i appreciate that tim uh, okay last thing to discuss and it is a game preview holy crap for the first time in a long time the first of many to come eagles at ravens this saturday night the ravens riding one of the most unimportant streaks of all time 23 game preseason winning streak it's unbelievable it seems difficult to achieve so many different ways, um, <laughs> but they have it. Not a ton to, to talk about. Obviously, it's not a real game. The vast majority of ones and twos will not play in this game. Just one question, really, for, for the co-hosts. Who or what are you looking forward to watching? I, I'm going to go first quickly because I've been kind of rounding things out in the other sections. It's three things for me. It's Keaton Mitchell, uh, the running back has an opportunity now with J.K. Dobbins not being around. And just obviously Dobbins would not have played in this game, but there's a little bit of mystery at the running back position. Keaton Mitchell has an opportunity to do things with the ball in his hands. He has to beat out more players than he thought he did probably even a month ago with Melvin Gordon in the building. So prove it. Prove it to us. And I'm curious to see what he does as a, as a runner as a receiver, maybe with little screens or some sort of other ways to get him involved um, and anything else that he, he may do. So I'm looking for some fun from him. Travis Vokalek is a random name. He is, at this point, the fourth tight end in Baltimore after Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely, and Charlie Kohler. And apparently he's looked real good. Um, not a potential James Prochet guy because he's not known enough to be a James Prochet guy. You have to actually, you know, have a legitimate shot of, of being on the roster. But this guy is 6'7", 260 pounds, and apparently has been making plays. And I'm curious to see another situation. 
the tight ends in front of him will play very, very little, if at all. Um, it is an uphill battle for Vokalek to make this team. Um, but preseason games are the opportunities for this type of player. The Ravens have drafted tight ends, have signed tight ends very, very well for a very long period of time. Is this a random other other guy that, that kind of makes his name known and maybe forces the team to, to do something uh, at the tight end spot? And then finally, just cornerbacks. I want to see <laughs> what the depth is. I want to see how many penalties they commit. I want to see if they know where to line up, if they know what to do, if there's any talent, if there's any plays made. As the, as the kids say, you would love to see it. I, w- I would love to see some plays made by some of the third string, fourth string uh, corners as they fight to uh, to take those last few spots on the roster. Yeah, and with the tight end thing, it's interesting, Antonio, just because they have obviously not been afraid to take four tight ends each of the last several years. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to be shocked if this guy somehow finds his way onto the team. Uh, but uh, for me, uh, we kind of mentioned it on and off, but um, the left guard competition is kind of where uh, the first place my eyes sort of go. And um, it's interesting, uh, we've mentioned him, the, the name we can, none of us can pronounce, Malasala Umave Laulu, is that, <laughs> is that right? Sure. <laughs> um, he, uh, according to Zarebic, he's gotten all the first team reps at left guard, which is kind of astonishing. I think back to our, our like, our draft recap, this is the guy we talked about the least, I'm pretty sure, on our ga- draft recap thing, because it was a sixth round offensive lineman, who there was like, ah, he's depth. And we moved on and we talked about Andrew Voorhees who has this like higher ceiling, but he, you know, he tears the Achilles or the ACL, whatever he did at the combine. We talked about him way more than this guy. And this guy might be the starting guard. It's kind of come down to him. And then John Simpson, who uh, is the, the import from the Raiders seems to be the two guys taking the most snaps at guard. He's taken most of the second team snaps. Um, which probably means we see a lot of Ben Cleveland in this game, I'm guessing. Maybe at the right guard, because certainly Zeitler is not going to play. But um, that's weird. It's weird that Ben Cleveland is, like, the third guy for this competition. It's weird that a sixth-round rookie offensive lineman might be the guy. So I kind of want to see what he looks like, because he's going to be a starter. (laughs) Jace, it's almost an odd situation. If he's getting all the first-team reps... Should he even be playing in the, in the preseason game if he's the starting left guard? Yeah, it's it's a good question, uh, but that's what I like. I'm not like it's just so weird, and I feel like it's so almost unlike any other parallel because even like rookies they've inserted have been generally higher picks than six rounders um, historically, but. Yeah, so I want to see him or Simpson or just whatever they do at guard, kind of in general. Um, and then we kind of, we, we, we danced around this last week. We said we weren't really going to talk about it, but uh, uh, at least for this game, because we will not see Lamar Jackson. We probably will see Tyler Huntley, and we will certainly see a lot of Josh Johnson, I'm imagining. And just sort of, if there's any uh, movement to uh, this backup quarterback battle we have brewing, I mean, it's the lowest stakes QB battle, right? It's not like the Bucks where you're having who's going to be the starter, Lamar's the starter, but it's it will be interesting. I don't think they're going to take three um, quarterbacks. And now with the different rules, they can kind of, you know, call guys up from the practice squad or do some different stuff on game days for emergency QBs. Um, but, uh, yeah, just kind of the Huntley v. Josh Johnson uh, 
situation. I think that's like kind of another thing to just sort of monitor uh, in these games. Yeah, that's the that's kind of the big one for me. Um, I think there is a strong chance that Tyler Huntley might not be the guy here if they need to save a little cap and they're trying to make some moves elsewhere. And I am not looking forward to watching the offense without Lamar Jackson. I think it's going to be a slog, <laughs> and we we've done it in real games that matter, and to do it in a game that doesn't matter with a bunch of backups is going to be you know not well, great <laughs> go ahead well that that was uh, one thing I, I was like i was like i'm excited to see todd monkson's offense when we first thought about this and then i was like no i'm not they're not going to no. show anything it's going to be <laughs> just a brutal just a brutal watch and so yeah I, I wouldn't read too much into to any to any of the offense because it is going to be bland i would guess yeah, it's going to be nothing. I was going to say Trenton Simpson, but he got hurt in camp, and there's no indication that he might actually play here. So, you know, that's kind of the one rookie outside of, you know, Zay Flowers that I was really looking forward to seeing. Um, you know, you're not going to see your OBJs. You're not going to see the stars that you want. So I just don't want to see the injury cart. It's a, it's a, stu- it's a stupid thing to mention, but I figured we'd bring it up anyway. Get out healthy. Just get out healthy. You know, who cares? I don't care about the streak. The according to the likes of FanDuel right now, the Ravens are minus 250 on the money line just because the streak is so long against the defending NFC champions who have the most ridiculous amount of depth we've seen in a long time for a team. The Ravens are still minus 250 with Tyler Huntley at the helm, which I think is funny, but who cares? Nobody cares about that. Um, Let's just get out healthy. And I guess one other one I would say too, to kind of tie a bow on one of the stories we had earlier in the show Let's see a Jalen Armour Davis or a Pepe Williams, the two second uh, second year corners. Pepe Williams obviously had a lot of juice in in last year's camp before you know he went on a real football field, and then it kind of diminished a little bit. Let's see one of those guys step up to maybe ease our our anxiety a bit about that that cornerback position, that secondary, uh, which you know could be an issue moving forward. That's all we got. Guys, it's football. It's real. It's happening. It's eight eighth strings, but whatever. It's the Ravens purple uh, on the field for the first time in a long time, and we will have many weeks of it to come. Uh, and it means that we are going to be back to weekly because we have football games to talk about. We will be talking about preseason games, about players getting cut, about maybe certain players taking advantage of opportunities and getting starting roles. And then before you know it, the regular season will be upon us. Uh, and we are excited to bring it to you in Season 5 of Pod Like a Raven. For Jay Sevens and Tim Horsey, I'm Antonio Barbera. Thank you, as always, for listening to us as we get warmed up on an exciting season of Ravens football. We will see you next week.